Hi, Stably. Hi, Jerry. How you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm good. Um, That's good. You know. Good uh, is good. Good, good is better than the alternative. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I, t- if, if I should make a joke about feeling worthless and having a spoiled and meaningless life or if I was feeling a little fanatical. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess he's just dead. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so we are uh, here to discuss The True Believer by Eric Hoffer, yeah. which was your pick. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and as, as usual, a, a fantastic pick. Oh, well, listen, not uh, always. Are you blushing? I'm blushing a little. Okay. Um, yeah, so I quite enjoyed this book. Um, why don't you tell us about it or tell us what you thought? Okay, so it's, well, the subtitle is Thoughts on the Nature of Mass Movements. Um, okay. That's pretty much exactly what it is. Uh, it's, I don't know how much our, our listener knows about Eric Hoffer, mm-hmm. uh, but he's this uh, enigmatic man who just kind of appeared in mid-century America, uh, possibly with a, a German accent. <laughs> and uh yeah go ahead <laughs> he he said it was his his parents he was born here according to him his parents yeah. emigrated here from Alsace-Lorraine oh, right. and so he his accent is a result of having grown up in a German-speaking family but everybody who knew him says his accent was Bavarian yes yeah, yeah. Well, no so... records of his parents either yeah well why would they be they were all lost in the the bombings uh, anyway yes. uh, <laughs> um so he's this kind of um despite probably being a nazi very american figure um self-made intellectual just kind of worked random odd jobs and was like an auto dictat i guess or mm-hmm. probably went to like a very expensive school in germany um but um one day he just sat down and apparently wrote this book and it is actually not a book it is a manuscript <laughs> because um it's it definitely does what it says on the tin it's thoughts on the nature of mass movements but um there is definitely a through line and like a theme and all the rest um but it is a lot of just his his thoughts um not not a lot of proof provided um on, yeah they are basically assertions yeah they're assertions there you go that's a great word for yeah. it Assertions on the nature of mass movements. Yes. Um, there are citations, but there's like maybe a dozen things that he cites. Fairly, <laughs> yeah. And they're not even cites. I mean, they're not even like citing for the, you know, for, for the proposition being claimed. It's more no, like, no, it's just like, here's where I got the quote. This other person said the same thing I'm saying now. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this, that, other, <laughs> this other person made the same assertion. Yeah, yeah. All that being said, um, it's great. I, I agree with you. Uh, it was a fantastic pick on my part. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I mean, the general, I guess the gist, the through line, the theme is um, what makes a successful mass movement. Now, this was written in the mid 50s, right? So um, there were a few of those kicking around. And uh, his big idea is that um, like the true believer, the, the, the person or persons that make a mass movement, a mass movement are the frustrated people in any society. And he kind of has like 12 different varieties of frustrated. Mm-hmm. They're the people that are willing to like smash everything and start a revolution of any kind and follow uh, like a leader. 
And um, so that's like the first part of the book. He just explains like these are the these are the crazies basically. <laughs> They're the ones marching around. Um, they are, these are not like the normal people in society who kind of cower in fear. They're like the stormtroopers. And then he uh, goes on to discuss um, kind of how a mass movement actually operates. I guess that's the best way of saying it. Um, you know, kind of how they rile these people up, how they um, take how they create in everybody else the feelings that are kind of uh, inherent in the frustrated, um, which is the only way to like sustain a mass movement. Uh, you can't really get along and do anything with just like, you know, a few people. Um, you need to create a feeling in the entire society that basically mimics what a, a super frustrated, angsty, trench coat wearing weirdo uh, mm -hmm. believes and feels um, if you're gonna like actually overthrow anything. Um, and then at the end, he kind of does a little more like, I'm not going to call it historical research, but he, he talks about like how um, actual existing mass movements um, that were around in his time and you know, previously uh, went about like, you know, actually doing it and, and succeeding. Right. And there's a little bit about um, like at the very, very end, like. You know, if you read the book, you would not think mass movements are a very good thing. <laughs> he kind of <laughs> uh, he uh, he does like say like I think there's a little section or chapter called like good and bad mass movements. Although I'm not sure he mentions a good one. Um, just in general, that like it's good well, for he... society to have the capacity to have a mass movement, and sometimes it is important to like wipe things out. Um, yeah, so it's interesting because he he does have a as you say he's got a like a chapterette. <laughs> called yeah. like uh beneficial mass movements or something what like that something oh, like that i think it is literally good and bad mass movements but yeah yeah and he puts in that category like the american and french revolutions the reformation mm -hmm. uh maybe he might put gandhi whatever that you call that yeah um yeah but nonetheless like the french revolution <laughs> is problematic right yeah and, he ex and, and you know yeah he explains why it's problematic and why yeah, yeah it, so it's you know this book is like very very popular among kind of libertarians and right-wingers uh well old-timey right-wingers right uh maybe 1950s to 19 to, to 2010s right-wingers uh -huh. <laughs> you know th those types um kind of traditional american conservatives um and there's not a lot about like the American Revolution in here, actually. No, uh -uh. which is you know like you would think that would be brought up, but um, in fact, there's very little about like Big L Liberty in here. And the one section that comes to mind is, uh, and this is like what you were just talking about, is why do sometimes these mass movements actually lead to liberty? You could just call it that. I, I mm -hmm. forget what word he uses, like freedom, a liberal yeah. society, and he says that it's. It, it tends to happen where mass movements are fighting against like a, an actual tyranny. Mm -hmm. Like if you are fighting against the French king or uh, like a corrupt church or the British empire, the British empire or something like that. Although you know, in the yeah, terms of yeah, tyranny, yeah. it wasn't that bad, but you know, you know, if that's what there's you're a definite, with, yeah, there's yeah. a definite end goal. Yeah. Right? There's a definite yeah. end goal and you are fighting like an actual tyrannical enemy. Um, if that's the impetus, you know, a lot of um, a lot of the the revolution talk might involve things like liberty and freedom and that sort of thing, so that after the uh, 
the bloodletting and terror and anarchy and chaos, uh, it, you might end up um, actually taking those things seriously when uh, the practical men go about running running the thing. Um, so that's why he but, thinks. Yeah, yeah, but but he also says that you have to have a leader, or yes, leaders that understand when to quit. Yeah, because you know there's the difference between you know Gandhi or the American founding fathers versus the French Revolution, right? The French Revolution they didn't quit, right? And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot that goes into it, but I, mean, I think his point is like if you want to even have a chance of not ending up in. Uh, an even worse situation right it's good to fight an actual tyranny um and to have like liberty talk kind of sprinkled among your uh, your fiery speeches <laughs> right because um that's that kind of just like sets the template for like oh we were fighting for this so we should have it you know after after the revolution although he does mention somewhere in here like oh that may be why there's hope for a liberal russia or some nonsense oh right yeah so you know well, I think what he says is actually I think what he says is there isn't hope for a liberal Russia for for like decades. I mean, you know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> but but yeah, he there is hope. Yeah. Uh so a couple things just to maybe nitpick on your timeline there. Mm -hmm. Uh so yeah, so I think this is something people like to joke here is that Hoffer was a nazi right or at least a german so certainly a german right yeah. um but he his the timeline would not have him be a nazi because he, he like the just i was I was reading up on this bit before we we started recording so the timeline is he basically we can account for him like his life starting 1934 before that and he was basically born somewhere between 1898 and 1902 mm, okay and so for the first like 35 years of his life we don't we have nothing except mm -hmm. what he has said which is uh self-contradictory and, and dubious <laughs> um uh so yeah so clearly i mean I, I think we can kind of say that he is a german immigrant yeah that is very well educated um but but we don't know what his background is but it doesn't seem like it would be nazi where was he in 1934 in a rally perhaps yeah but, but that's <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing right is one of the things i mean i don't want to get ahead of ourselves but one of the things that he points out is the, kind of the order after he's explained the different you know the frustration and, and all this he, he talks about how a mass movement actually gets going and it starts with men of words uh mm -hmm. then the fanatics and then the men of action kind of institutionalize um and so you can imagine that maybe he was in the milieu of the men of words right like just yeah. german nationalist you know and he may he, he certainly seems like he would have had first-hand experience of the frustration after uh what's the treaty called uh treaty versailles. 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 Yeah. yeah um so anyhow so so it, i don't think it's I wouldn't cast aspersions uh, uh, that way about that. He's definitely a Nazi, but I, yeah, but yes, well, he, he, he was. He had a. He definitely had a uh, front row seat. It seems like. Yeah, I mean, let's just let's check his Substack and uh -huh. see, see what he wrote um, under his real name. <laughs> yeah, 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 and then this book was published in 1950. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, very interesting. Um, so yeah, so I mean, I I really enjoyed this book. Um, uh, it, uh, you're right. It's uh, 
so it is it's really interesting because it really is like it's it's nicely um uh what's the word outlined mm -hmm. uh, the structure of the book is is very nice and but they are a series of like aphorisms or assertions um that you just can't like they're just so compact and like i really found like i don't think i found one that i disagreed with yeah really? not really no uh no yeah yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, I don't know if that's a problem or not, but like. Right, yeah. It makes, it makes me second guess myself. Like, okay, how can I not disagree with the thing, this guy? Yes. Uh, also, there are just so many of them. He's actually, again, I don't know. They're, they're like self-evident truths. Yeah, you know? he's, he's, he's a, a, yeah, he's he marshals very, together. He's a very good writer. Um, mm -hmm. This was not like, at least on my part, when I when we read the Nietzsche book. Right. And it's like, oh boy, uh, it's like, <laughs> I don't know if it's lost in translation or what, but you know, not the simplest stuff to follow. This yeah. is like not simple, but he's very, very clear and he really has a way with words, yeah. um, which is great. But it, it's also like, I don't know if he was just tempted to turn every sentence practically into like a sharp quip. Right. Um, and you kind of get like you're highlighting or whatever you're doing to the whole, you're like highlighting the entire book. The entire book, yeah. <laughs> I guess it's great, but it's, um, I mean, it's not really a problem, but yeah, there's just so much to take in. Um, and every sentence could be like another book or, you know, yep. a, a journal article like exploring, like, is this true? When is it true? Um, yep. Yeah. And so, okay, so how do you want to proceed? We can try to recap the book or we can talk about how we think this applies to present day because of course it's you know not to, to state the obvious as you say this book is very popular with right-wingers these days it's kind of popular with uh left-wingers or at least oh is it people concerned oh of course it's kind of, it's people who are concerned with el el trumpo <laughs> yes right this yeah the sage lot, of, lot of, of mar -a -Lago. yeah a lot of eerie <laughs> e eerie parallels I did. I definitely wrote Trump a few times. Um, yeah, but question mark, lol, uh, that sort of thing. Because <laughs> I, I don't think he fits the uh, the mold very well. Uh, but um, he, he kind of does. He does and he doesn't. He um, does and he doesn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah well, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Do you well, want to talk about like, that? Yeah, we can. You want to talk about the Trumpy stuff or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's just like maybe we'll just recap really quick the first seventy yeah. percent of the book, right? So it's I'm just going to read the uh, the outline here, right? It's part uh -huh. one: the appeal of mass movements. Like, why are why are these things appealing? Like, why do so many people want to become a commie, a Nazi, like a crazy Catholic, an integralist, right. um, an Indian nationalist, an American revolutionary? And um, it's basically like the appeal is to frustrated people who are kind of unhappy with their lot in life and they hate the present because they, they hate themselves. This is a very interesting, like it's all psychological. Yeah. Um, as Ace Ventura would say, uh, it's all psychological. And I wonder like how true this is. Um, I'm sure there are like ethnographies and, and all sorts of things about it, but um, like the roots of the desire for, change and joining mass movements are the, the frustrated people in any wait, society. I don't think there's really, so that's interesting, right? So it's not about change though, right? That, that's kind of like the dressing the, mm -hmm. on it, right? It's more that you have a class of people, um, which exists in any society, that there'll be these, these kinds of people, but especially in like 
uh, you know, after, you know, during a depression or after a war mm-hmm. or, you know, in certain circumstances, you'll have a lot more of these people who are just frustrated because their life are basically meaningless and worthless, right? Because, you know, they can't make anything of themselves. Oftentimes, yeah. he says, it's because these are people who maybe are like the brawn of society mm-hmm. and just and they're unemployed, let's say, or just they don't have anything. You know, they, they basically can't fulfill any potential that they have. So they're frustrated. And so they loathe themselves in, in the present moment, as you say. And so it's not about seeking change. It's, it's not about well, we need a new deal. No. Right. It's about. like negating that worthlessness right so you can find in a mass movement um uh, basically you can lose yourself and uh uh, basically replace your self with a something that's larger than you right right exactly and um it almost doesn't matter what the movement is exactly uh which is almost like the second or the first big idea of the book is that it actually doesn't really matter to most, most of these people. Uh, Again, we're talking about, uh, I mean, they think it matters, but yeah, they definitely think it matters. And that's the job of the intellectuals and the leaders of a movement to make them think they're doing it for Liberty or the master race or communism. But in reality, at least for the true believers, we're not talking about the, the normies who are just kind of like kicked around and forced to do stuff. But in terms of true believers, like, yes, it is just kind of not, Oh, it's not nihilistic, but it is almost nihilistic rage. Like they want to destroy yeah, the it's current ne- society. Yeah. yeah. And in the process, um, you know, change it to, and it's not even like the, ch- the thing that you're changing it to. It's the process. That's what they're, that's what they want to lose themselves in. They want to destroy the present. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I wrote down that the, uh, mass movements are interchangeable mm-hmm. and zero sum. So, yeah, Hoffer's point is they're interchangeable. Like, you know, like mass movements all have these qualities about them, these characteristics, and you see them in every mass movement. And when you have competing mass movements, they are interchangeable because, like, the best converts for the Nazis were communists, <laughs> right? right. Uh, and, and you see this. Uh, so one th- um, one thing I was reminded of constantly while reading this book was the book about hooliganism I read earlier this year, uh-huh. which was excellent, and you should really read it, sadly. Um, I, I should have written down what it was called. I forget what it's called right now. Uh, I'll look it up. Um, but it's fascinating. The, like the the hooligans, the football hooligans in England that this in the 80s that this book is about, it's 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 like it's they're totally being described by Hoffer here, right? They're frustrated people um, who lose themselves in this thing that's greater than them. It's the football club, um, and they fight each other, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Um, and it, they take like a lot of a lot of what they get is out of the violence, which they just totally lose themselves, um, the hatred, etc. And then there's a there's a part in the book where he goes to a national front disco. Um, okay. and <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> and uh, you have basically neo Nazis from National Front neo Nazis, um, who basically, how do I put it? They're, they're like neo Nazi leaders, political leaders, uh, who are paying for this 
party that they invite all the hooligans to. And it's basically number one. So number one, the guy that he becomes buddies with who to talk to during, you know, this scene that this, this, uh, you know, party at a, at a pub is this guy who is like, I don't know, like, like a, like an operations kind of guy for the, for the national front. Who's a former, uh, who's an ex communist. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and I, I can't describe it, but the, the scene basically is the neo-Nazis are basically using the hooligans to practice their mass control. Okay. It's anyhow, I, I don't want to bring another book into this, but it's, it just kept reminding <laughs> me of this. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so anyhow, yeah. So movements are interchangeable in zero. sum. is a big takeaway. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there's a great line in there about, I mean, going back to that story, right? Like the, in, in, in Germany, like the, the Nazis would get their shock troops from the communists and the communists would get it from the Nazis and neither one of them would ever bother with like some fat, like merchant liberal. Right. Right. It's like, you're never, you're never going to appeal to that type of person. Um, And at some level, like it's like a horseshoe theory, right? Obviously like the, the people at the ends have way more in common and um, are often the same people, right. With with each other, even though they're diametrically opposed than they have uh, with some liberal, you know, banker or lawyer. Um, And they probably hate that guy more than they hate each other. Yeah. Yeah. So the more individualistic one is like the more one's life and comfort matters, right? Like I think he says it to individuals, or sorry to individualists, right? Like nothing is worth dying for. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is towards the part of the book where everything starts to like, there's too much. Yeah. Um, yeah, Like too many. Yeah. We're not going to be able to cover it all. It's, it's just um, the assertions. uh, They're great. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So uh, where were we? Yeah. So, you know, mass movements, they appeal to the frustrated, they're zero sum. Um, you know, he kind of has this taxonomy of all the uh, the undesirables, as he, as he calls them. Right. Like, there's the poor, like the selfish, which I thought was interesting. Um, minorities, uh, like basically like new immigrants, for yeah. example, can be a, like a huge reservoir of this. Uh, the board. The board. <laughs> the board. Yeah. Uh, what do you got here? Misfits. Center, misfits and sinners. Um, yeah. Like veterans are good misfits. Yeah. Like newly demobilized yeah. uh, like soldiers and stuff. The ambitious facing unlimited opportunities, which was interesting. Um, yeah, so these are all. Th- this is like the the clay, right? That a wise and fanatical and uh, sneaky leader can use uh, to mold into his. I mean, I don't know what you would call it. Uh, his his movement, right? His, mm-hmm. his shock troops. These are the people uh, that are going to be marching around and getting into fights and like trying to blow up prime ministers and stuff. Um, and then he goes into like the, the longest section of the book, right? Like how you actually put these people together into like a useful, uh, tool, right? So I guess it's called, what is it? United action and self-sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. So like the whole idea is like the frustrated, like they load themselves. So they load the present and they want to both like lose themselves into a larger group. Yeah. And, um, because they load themselves, like they're willing to sacrifice themselves. Like they don't have anything uh, to live for. Right. Um, especially like in the present. So um, 
they're that, the one. Not, yeah. not just that. It's like self-sacrifice is kind of the point. Like that's yes. a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like why would you want to, uh, you know, stay alive? Like it's the last thing you want. You, you Like you, you think you're disgusting basically. And so is the current system. So you get a twofer. You, you, get, to, yeah. you get to bring everything down and you get to blow yourself up uh, in a matter of speaking. So, um, you know, this, like this goes into like, like propaganda, um, the fa- like the things that, like, what does he call it? Factors promoting self-sacrifice. Um, a lot of good stuff here. I mean, I, we can't go over can't every, go, yeah. every, every little, can, can I just, like every chap, every, yeah. every sentence. Yeah. Can I say just because you, you said propaganda again, it reminded me of the other book you picked, uh, Not Born Yesterday. Yeah. Because he says that, I mean, basically, he says what Not Born Yesterday said in a whole book. He says, like, in a couple of sentences, right? He's like, look, uh, propaganda cannot uh, make people, you know, who are unwilling to believe a thing to believe a thing, right? It just yeah. gives those people who are already primed to believe the thing, you know, just the the rationale, right? The words. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, it fulfills all sorts, like, again, man. It's so hard to not just go into the whole thing, but you yeah. know, it, it gives you like the devil figure, right? So it, it gives you the enemy most of right. the time. So whether it's Uncle Sam and the oligarchs, or uh, Uncle Joe and uh, and the Democrats, I mean the communists. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, it's like um, you know the the propaganda gives you the devil figure. It um, it it is like incessant, right? So you're just kind of unable to think for yourself, and you can lose yourself more more easily right. in, in a movement. Um, it gives you like the words to say, right? Like you realize that everyone is seeing and hearing and saying the same stuff, so it helps to kind of join the mass in that way. Um, it, yeah, it fulfills all these all these things. Like the one thing it doesn't actually do is convince anyone of anything, right? Uh, because like you know it, that's that's not even the whole purpose of it. Um, yeah. And he does like underlying all of this. I guess we haven't mentioned this is like extreme violence, right? Um, or the threat of it. Um, right. Usually both. That you know, without violence, propaganda. He quotes uh, Dr. Goebbels. Uh, <laughs> maybe he has it. Uh, degree in education too uh he um like you said like without violence like propaganda or coercion propaganda is is basically useless like that's that's what's underlying everything um and that that kind of is a thread that runs through every section here it's like what you're asking these people to do is engage in violence <laughs> um i don't know why he, maybe throwing violence on the cover would have sold a few more copies but mm. um that's like just as important to kind of keep in mind. It isn't like sit-ins. Like these right. people are not marching. I guess like he doesn't go into Gandhi that much, right? But this was not like I guess Gandhi tried to do something that was a little different. Um, although there was a lot of violence. There was a lot of violence. Yeah. Um, but you know, at least his. I'm not going to call it a shtick, but I'll call it a shtick. Was like nonviolent resistance. Right. Um, but yeah. So that's the middle section, and then the. the the last bit is how would you describe it not like historical but no he kind of just just um like how to do it this is the how-to guide for like yeah the, okay. the last section he uh introduces kind of like the men of like he basically says the way it works is you have the men of words the men the fanatics and then the men of action mm-hmm. and here's how it progresses right and the men of words are they're, they're typically frustrated people but they're typically um creative types 
people who are just very good articulate like they're they are the uh um uh, uh tucker carlson of the world shall we say uh -huh. and what they do is that they they hate the current system they're, they're frustrated for whatever reason and they undermine the institutions right they uh -huh. point out why all existing institutions um are corrupt and evil and, and typically this this doesn't have any there are always these people around but when times are good you know the uh the existing regime ignores them and the masses are happy and fat and so they don't really pay much attention they really don't have much purchase but when things start getting not so great and there's a bigger mass of frustrated people these people get more attention and because they're so articulate um they point out all of the contradictions and corruption that exists in any <laughs> uh, uh, you know established regime and etc and it basically undermines all of the legitimacy of the existing institutions and so it's primed for somebody else to come along these people never actually um so people so men of words are not really good at working with other men of words towards a common goal right right yep <laughs> uh, and they also he says that men of words you know if they were patronized by the elites they would be singing that tune right like they're what they want above all else is status and recognition mm -hmm. and so if they can get it elsewhere elsewhere they would have but for whatever reason they can't so anyhow once it starts getting real and there starts to be real violence and real chaos and anarchy they are like oh shit this is not i was just trying to you know have a highly rated tv show and I, just talk about a lot I was just it. asking questions yeah <laughs> yeah and so they get kind of pushed aside um because the fanatics take over and the fanatics is like the hitlers of the world right yeah who you know they truly want to burn the place down right like the the men of words don't really yeah you know they're intellectuals <laughs> uh right and so um then the fanatics take over they really lead they really consolidate the mass movement and then ultimately if there isn't a man so then and then you have the men of action come later and basically um and this is once the mass movement has won let's say uh and then they kind of they, the men of action kind of systematize it and institutionalize the mass movement into a church or a nation or you know with new institutions or whatever it may be and like in a case of the nazis like they never got to that point he says if hitler had died at some point and uh who would have taken over uh he says uh who was it that he said would have taken over not well, i don't remember not uh, goebbels not romer uh anyhow he says if somebody else had taken over you can imagine who Borman? i don't know i don't know um <laughs> uh you can imagine that nazism would have been institutionalized and its excesses would have been tamed a little bit and you know it could have been, it could have become like a you know you might have had yeah Goering. he says so. Goering, thank yeah. you uh a uh you know a, a nazi regime the way you had a soviet regime for decades right yeah uh but you don't have that right but if you can get to a point where you have men of action take over then that's what happens so anyhow so that's and he just kind of presents that as that's the way these things work um yeah and he kind of ends with like like i think it might even be the like last paragraph or something but he he says uh 
it is probably better for a country that when its governments begin to show signs of chronic incompetence, it should be overthrown by a mighty mass upheaval. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> Even though such, and this came out of kind of out of nowhere for me, right? Because it's a, it's better in the original German, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> the the entire book up until this like last paragraph, um, uh, basically, it's just these assertions with that are basically just descriptive this is what a mass movement you know this is what this kind of person is this is what they do this is what this results in this is how right uh without any um value judgment to it right. and of course one reading it the value judgment one i think naturally puts on it is oh man ew. you know like this is really you know intense and scary and maybe not so great yeah um and then he gets a lot to the end and he is like uh, yeah, it's probably better for a country <laughs> that you have a mass of people, even though such overthrow involves conserv- considerable waste of life and wealth, uh, then it should be allowed to fall and crumble of itself. Uh, he says, a genuine popular upheaval is often an invigorating, renovating, and integrating process. <laughs> where, where governments are allowed to die a lingering death, the result is often stagnation and decay, perhaps irremediable decay anyhow yeah so that that's kind of the kicker very jeffersonian Uh uh-huh yeah Uh one way one way of of looking yeah Uh, (laughs) yeah so um all packed into a pretty short book yeah no it's it's a really compact like it's a really dense book but in the best kind of dense right like as you say every line is like highlightable just it's uh great stuff so i'll tell you the people so what did this book remind me of it reminded me of soccer hooligans uh-huh. big time uh you have to read a book stanley i'm gonna like assign it to you it's a great book um it's called it's called among the thugs is the name of the book uh-huh. was uh, bill, bill buford is that the guy? yes buford yeah like the food writer or eventually yeah eventually the food writer yeah uh it reminded me of bitcoiners <laughs> okay yeah okay it sure. reminded me of the max the maxis the maxis yeah uh-huh. it reminded me of um gamestop uh wall street bets yeah uh, i mean talk about you know the frustrated uh he says uh, i wrote this quote down next to gamestop uh there's a deep reassurance for the frustrated in witnessing the downfall of the fortunate and the disgrace of the righteous uh they see in a general downfall and approach to the brotherhood of all chaos like the grave is a haven of equality <laughs> uh, which <laughs> this, is like this freaking guy yeah yeah i mean the 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 point of gamestop more than anything was to um blow up the shorts right um mm-hmm. the, the, and they, they they did manage to blow up a couple of hedge funds right so anyhow yeah like what is it elliot is yeah it elliot? LA capital yeah like that like are they all going to prison or something uh something bad is happening with them right i don't i don't know beyond like going out of business i don't know don't i I don't want to i don't want to get sued yeah i don't know (laughs) uh obviously reminded me of fight club sure you know uh anyhow uh and trump certainly you can't you can't escape it right this is why this book has been back in the conversation a lot lately yeah let's let's circle the toilet bowl back to trump okay Uh, (laughs) uh, so what did you think so the, the parts that reminded me most of trump yeah uh, was obviously not the uh, the man of letters or men of words section um nope. 
uh, that got me thinking about the uh, libertarian moment, TM, uh-huh. and how that's never happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the men of who are who are the, the men of uh, to the extent that there were men of letters who uh-huh. softened the ground, primed the ground for Trump. The fanatic, maybe question mark. Let's put a pin on that. Um, yeah. Who were they, right? Because like Adrian Vermeule and his ilk come after Trump. Like there's a lot of people who jump on the Trump bandwagon after he exposes that there is a uh, audience for this. Right. So who is it really? Is it Glenn Beck? Is it? So so this is um, the the book is largely written about illiberal societies that go through revolutionary change. Yeah. Of some some sort or another, right? Yeah. So he he's pretty clear that you know a lot of this doesn't really apply to like a, a comfy toasty little liberal country like this is not this is like why the english again this is the 50s these early 50s he's writing and this is why like the british i almost said nationalist party the british like the the like the labor party right this is why they're like so gray and dour and unexciting this is something hayek said right they're like unable constitutionally in both meanings of the word to act like fanatics yeah so um the same thing can kind of be said of america although we're kind of crazier over here um i am not like that's why i just don't think maybe this really applies to someone like trump because i can't think of the men of words except for like they're not I, i don't know if you can throw like talk show hosts into that category Oh, I think so you can. Okay, if you think you can, sure. I mean, I know that he includes like journalists in like these people, but to me, they're like intellectual types. No, I don't think so. So, okay. um, so let me say a couple things. So one is, let me, I'm sorry. I just, there's no point in me trying to say what he said when I can just read the just one read. sentence that he said. Yeah. He said, one cannot maintain with certitude that it would be impossible for a Hitler or a Stalin to rise in a country with an established tradition of freedom. Right. What can be asserted with some plausibility is that in a traditionally free country, a Hitler or a Stalin might not find it too difficult to gain power, but extremely hard to maintain himself indefinitely. Any marked improvement in economic conditions would almost certainly activate a tradition of freedom, which is a tradition of revolt. So... Yeah, I think what he, I think what he would say is like in a traditionally liberal society, it's not that it's not that they the, these movements can't really rise and even take power. Is that they're not going to last? They're not going to take hold. Mm-hmm. And then what was the other thing about the um, the men of words? Yes. Let me see if I can find. This is where you're defending Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck as a as an intellectual. So go ahead, go ahead Jerry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, he says the preliminary work of undermining existing institutions, of familiarizing the masses with the idea of change, and of creating a receptivity to a new faith can be done only by men who are first and foremost talkers or writers and are recognized as such by all. So it's not so much that one is an intellectual, mm-hmm. like in the, in the full sense of that word. I think these people tend to be right. Like I would say that Glenn Beck and Tucker Carlson for all their faults are intellectuals, right? They read a lot and they know history, right? Like say what you will. That's you know, are they the greatest intellectual? I mean, are they uh, original thinkers who are going to expand? No, but, they are intellectuals. They're, they're the secondhand dealers in ideas. They are talkers and writers and are yeah. recognized as such by all. Yeah. You've, you've convinced me, Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I guess I guess what you could say is yes, it was like the Fox News and Glenn Beck and I don't really remember Tucker before Trump that much, but yeah, you could say it was kind of that like whatever the Tea Party kind of yeah. metamorphosized into by the end of the uh, Obama administration. Yep. Um, that could have yeah, and like Ann Coulter. Else? Go ahead. Yeah, Ann Coulter. Sorry, I, I I'm sorry. This book really excited me. Uh, <laughs> You know what else you're making me think is that Hoffer's also writing in the context of a world of mass communication. Mm -hmm. it, it would be different today. It wouldn't be sure a, a particular talker, even those you know we can point to some of those. It's the internet. It's what Guri says, right? It's the tsunami of information that allows for the Tea Party to emerge, right? Or mm -hmm. Uh, the uh, Gila John or whatever, right? So, like, it's not, it could be, you know, uh, you could have like smart mobs that are led by lots of different uh, men of words. Is that like a Dow? <laughs> yeah, it's exactly <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it is that it's that combination of basically Twitter or just social media yeah. plus, I think, the Tea Party because even before Trump showed up, yeah, you you kind of started seeing people who would not like the kind of people Republicans started electing was like the kind of people that like Greens would elect to the Santa yeah. Monica City Council, but like in reverse. <laughs> Except these people were maybe winning like House seats or getting nominated for senator, and this was uh, way before Cat just showed up on the uh, patio door. Hello. Uh, <laughs> this was, you know, a while before Trump. So yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's probably not as easy as it was in the thirties and forties where like one guy would have a radio show, uh, yep. like 50 million people listening in, but yeah, yeah, it's. So then is, is Trump the fanatic? See, uh, so Hoffer lists the kind of things you need. The, the, yeah. the, I don't know if they're personality traits or just traits. I'm not going to read all of them. There's too many um, to like be a successful fanatic slash leader. And Trump has like half of them. Right. Or maybe less. But I, I kind of wonder like, well, how many, how many like normal politicians have a good 30% of this? Um, because, you know, a lot of it is like the ability to like bamboozle and like lie brazenly. <laughs> it's like, well, that that's probably a lot of them. Um, and uh, the one thing I did realize, like he's very, very good at, and I don't know where Hoffer talks about it, is the, the, the leader realizes that you need to be communicating constantly, mm -hmm. right? So this is like, I don't know, Hitler having a speech a day or Castro, right, giving 12-hour long speeches. It's like you need to be in people's brains all the time. Right. And that's what Trump was so good at. I mean, he's still doing it, even though, like, I don't know, he's like been banned from from everything. Like, he is incredibly good at that aspect of being uh, like a fanatical um, leader. So he's got that down, and maybe that counts for a lot more now. Like, you don't actually need to have much of a plan because I don't think he had much of a plan. Um, uh, and you know, all the other things that he was missing, but he is incredibly good at just like being there. And, and I, I, yeah, I think that's like 50% of it. Yeah. And I also think one thing he has that I think 
most politicians don't, but that makes them just a fanatic that makes that potentially you can label him a fanatic that would be appealing to the to the masses as Hoffer describes it is his chip on his shoulder like trump is yeah. a frustrated man right like that is the definition of him even though he's rich and all that which is not what you typically would, would assume uh uh the point is he he hates the establishment he hates the present he uh, uh, um, is ashamed of himself <laughs> do you know what uh, I'm saying? Like, yeah maybe no i i, I mean hoffer talks about this how um oh i don't know if trump is but you know yeah, yeah, no, no, but like narcissism is ultimately. I think this, I'm pretty sure Hoffer talks about narcissism and how it, it or, or by like projecting this into, into Hoffer. But I think he talked about narcissism being kind of a way to cope with self-loathing. Like okay. Trump is yeah. self-loathing, and uh, in a, in a way that I think uh, matches what Hoffer talks about as a source of frustration for all the people who would be part of a, of a movement right and he puts and where's the fault right the fault is not within yourself obviously the fault is out there with the people and institutions and the present moment who aren't giving you a fair shake and that must all be destroyed and in doing that you can lose yourself in the greater movement etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah um could i could i i found the section it's actually yes. not in where you think it would be okay <laughs> he needs an editor um, <laughs> so um so this is like unifying, this is in the section called unifying agents. This is about yeah. like how a leader can unify, uh, you know, a people uh, into basically hatred. <laughs> so um, what are the talents requisite for such a performance? Exceptional intelligence, noble character, and originality seem uh -huh. neither indispensable nor perhaps desirable. Right. So check. The main requirements seem to be audacity and a joint defiance. Okay. Yep. Check. An, iron, an iron will. I'm unsure uh -huh. about that. Whoa, 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 whoa. He, I mean, he may be lazy about like carrying through on a program, but he has, he is got a will. Yeah. He's got a will to power, shall we say, carry on. <laughs> a fanatical conviction that he is in possession of the one and only truth. I mean, yeah. uh, well, if the truth is, you know, I'm always right. me. Yeah. 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 Uh, faith in his destiny and luck. Ka-ching. Yeah. Uh, capacity for pa passionate hatred. <laughs> yeah, check. Uh, contempt for the present. Yep. Check. A cunning estimate of human nature. I think Check. he's probably pretty good at that. Yeah. A delight in symbols, spectacles, and ceremonials. Yeah, I think he likes mm -hmm. that. Uh, unbounded brazenness, which finds expression in a disregard for consistency and fairness. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's the thing, right? Most politicians try to keep that kind of cloaked, but he doesn't. Um, a recognition that the innermost cravings of a following is for communion and that there can be never there can never be too much of it so i think that's his like the the constant tweeting and and talking right and and the fact that maybe he'll and you'll get to it in this list but the fact that he the, it's the movement it's not about any believing any particular thing <laughs> and right. he will switch those things oh yeah in, in in order to just get the most unity possible uh, carry on sorry yeah and then the final thing which like this is what sunk him really right a group uh, a capacity for winning and holding the utmost loyalty of a group of able lieutenants right yes uh, double underline this last faculty is one of the most essential and elusive yeah you said it you were right there you were right there yeah. von eric uh so <laughs> like, this is where yeah he totally 
Like, this is why I don't think he's... Well, but it's funny because maybe he is the fanatic, but he doesn't have that last piece. But that last piece, I don't think it's up to him. I think it's because we he is operating in a country that has a tradition of liberty mm-hmm. and the kind of people who would be co- who could be competent lieutenants are comfortable like running their hedge funds you know shorting GameStop right or it just could be well this is still a very rich and prosperous yeah that's what i mean yeah. place doing just okay so you're not going to get you're not going to get that yeah yes <laughs> yeah it's able and competent lieutenants because like there's not you want to destroy everything so what are they, what's in it for them you're going to get uh, exactly what is it like, the dragon of budapest <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. uh, i oh, mean the man. closest he got to that was um bannon right yeah. which you know say what you will about the man you know <sighs> He's more competent than the rest of them. Uh, so you had you had Bannon, you had um, what's his face, the uh, uh, Miller, yeah, uh, and you had uh, you can even throw Roger Stone in there as a I don't know what you would call Roger Stone, yeah, like a fixer, right? But yeah, yeah but not these are not your. This is not the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so yeah. Anyway, um, obviously. He uh, he hits some of these really hard, and um, the others not so much. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it's like, man, how many politicians, like run of the mill polls, would fall into these things? I bet a lot of them would. Um, That's like, interesting. So, so I think it's just like a it's a scale. I don't think so. You don't think? I mean, I, I'm sure lots of run of the mill politicians check a lot of those boxes, but yeah. not in the like no because. I think it's the thing about consistency that you said, like most politicians, like when they're being inconsistent, they're like, fuck, I'm inconsistent. And, and that's not good for me. And like, they feel genuine guilt. (laughs) Uh, I I don't know. I don't know too many, I guess. I just wonder if they're like, I don't want to get caught. Right. Um, Whereas he's like, it doesn't even matter. That's the whole point. Even that is a big difference between. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. I'm not saying like, they Obama like is Trump or has the same number right. of these traits or in the same, uh, uh, the same depth. scale, right. Yeah. The same depth. Yeah. But um, I mean, oh yeah, they're all the same Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what Eric Hoffer was trying to say yeah. <laughs> is that they're all the same. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I guess we lucked out, right. Because um like he it's not over yet. It's not over. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> don't tell me. Uh, well, yeah, I don't think he's any better at getting um, lieutenants. Unless you, you, you know, more than I do. Um, and without Twitter, I don't know what he's going to do. Right. Just um, post PDFs on the internet <laughs> and ask his, his parents to share it or something. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if, if Hoffer were around today and, and witnessing this, I think he would definitely have a whole section on Trump in here, uh, especially because it's happening in, in like a Western liberal uh, democracy. And like, I don't think he, you know, there's not a lot about, again, it's not a lot about the United States in here. There's not a lot about like the founding fathers and like Washington and 
like what happened during the American Revolution because there was some of this. Um, yeah, it's more in the uh, oh God, what's his name? Pamphleteer uh, uh, Sam Adams, not Sam Adams, uh, Tom Paine. Yeah, uh, kind of. Tom Paine was more of the fanatic there. Yeah, and he's like the man of words as well. Yeah, but um, never yeah. ran for office, I guess. Um, yeah. So that's that's our Trump chat. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah, I have a note here. Trump is a failure. <laughs> <laughs> you can apply this, I guess, also to other uh, modern day. So, like uh, Hungary, what's his face? Roger Air. Roger <laughs> Yeah, Victor Orban. Orban, you could uh-huh. apply it, I guess, to Bolsonaro. I don't know much about, about him. Yeah, it, it, the thing is, like, um, it is so he in the next page he says the most is the decisive for the effectiveness oh my god i can't speak decisive for the effectiveness of a mass movement leader seems to be audacity fine fanatical faith in the holy cause see i don't i think it's like all these guys are so i mean maybe to the people that love them you think they're it, way more cynical than they would it, have to be. It just seems very cynical and transactional. And it's like, well, I'm just like, it's almost like they are just men of action. Like we skipped the whole, because maybe it's, this is what happens usually in a, in a liberal democracy. Like we skipped the whole fanatic phase. Like, you know, it, right. every social, what is it starts as a, starts as a, everything starts as a movement, becomes a business and ends as a racket. Right. Like we kind of skip <laughs> we kind of start the movement and business part and it almost immediately goes into being a racket kind right. of like uh, the tea party <laughs> um that's because, true. because that's just like the way it works here because there isn't yep. a lot of there really isn't a lot of appetite um for just like crazy transformational change and like that's not even what trump was promising right it's literally like i'm gonna make america great again yeah not new world order thousand points of light uh, all that stuff so I think that's why it's so hard to like figure that guy out. I mean, like, is he really any different from like a Jesse Helms <laughs> senatorial campaign from like the mid nineties or early nineties? Like, no, he's probably like way more liberal. <laughs> right. Um, and that's within living memory for some of us. But the, but the holy cause that the leader has to be completely um devoted to mm-hmm. i don't think it, it has to be some so anything that makes sense or that is consistent or that sure it just has to be you know like a a, a set of hatreds <laughs> yeah that unify people that's it that's all it has to be it doesn't have to be consistent or promise you know i guess it yeah. doesn't have to be that grand either i mean like right. republicans were pretty primed to just loathe Hillary Clinton. I mean, that's their devil figure. Yeah. So to go in and say, I'm going to lock her up. Uh, that's just catnip. That's yeah, yeah, that's, that's, all a, that's enough. Yeah. That's the holy cause you need. The holy cause is <laughs> lock her up, build the um, wall, build the wall. Yep. Yeah. That, that's and basically it. Defund the New York times. So and he, did lo- all, he did all three. Fantastic. Well, and, and along the way you pick up, <laughs> you pick up more um, kind of bloody shirts. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, the Russia hoax, mm-hmm. um, uh, witch hunt. Now he's got Mar-a-Lago. Um, what else? Like, uh, Fauci. I don't know. <laughs> you the pick the up generals. more doubles. Yeah. The generals. Yeah. So, yeah.
and yeah. and it just has to be i mean you know as martin Gurry says it's just negation that you need to have this unifying uh effect yeah i just wonder that you know like this whole frame is not suitable for looking at a country like america that other 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 ways of looking at it are better because it really isn't the i mean it's yeah they're frustrated but like uh i don't know i don't know like who the the, the trump people are right? here's the difference right so i think in these other movements that hoffer uh basically points to the 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 holy cause could be institutionalized into um some kind of coherent system right that had like even he starts like even with the french uh uh revolution had kind of like a circular a circular <laughs> a secular um religion that was created around the state um and you know the nazis you know had all kinds of rituals and institutions right how do you institutionalize Trumpism? Like, uh, exactly. I have no monster idea. Monster truck rallies. And, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> hot dog eating contest, <laughs> which we already have. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, sharing the New York Times and shitting on it on Twitter while driving right. through traffic at the right. same time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I just think that, like, it, it isn't that bad here yet. Um, I know that people have done research on like what drives these people. And it seems to be a lot of like just cultural grievance, which may be enough. But if you're, you know, you have a house and a business and you're doing fine, really like economically, mm -hmm. I, I kind of doubt you're going to be, you don't really think you're voting for somebody that's going to destroy the system. Like maybe yeah. you think you are, and maybe that's what makes it so crazy that, like, do you realize that what you're voting for is going to destroy <laughs> everything that like makes you like fat and happy and upset? Like you're watching the cable, you're watching Fox news on a 75 inch, you know, OLED, like that's not normal. Like you're not going to have that thing if yeah, you, but the problem you is get what you think you want. Yeah. But a lot of our frustrated folks, like by looking at them, you would be shocked that they're frustrated because they have. 75 inch tv and a microwave and you know all the yeah. stuff but but it's, it's it's a lot of it is about uh meeting one's potential and about um relative uh status and they're really frustrated even though they have all the stuff that they're going to be destroying so yeah yeah i don't and, know and like you said maybe it's the case that fine you could get trump and let's say he actually did half of what he promised and all of a sudden, all your shit is like twice as expensive because we right. just bombed China. Uh, he would immediately be like impeached and voted out of office by the people yes. that voted for him because, like, oh wait a minute, yeah, I, you I mean just, this? Yeah, I just want to own the libs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to make my stuff more expensive. Um, so, like you, like you said at the beginning, like maybe this is just it's just LARPing still, like yep. in America. Um, so we have it good here. Yeah, we're fine. You know what? This is I'm glad. So so my pick for next time is uh David French's book on the possibility Goodbye. of an American Goodbye, Jerry. War. Goodbye. <laughs> Who are you uh, doing it with? Because I'm actually <laughs> I'm actually I've been appointed um manager of Leicester City Football Club. <laughs> um I'm very honored. Brendan did a great job. Yeah. But it's time for a refresh, it's time for a change.
Uh, really? No, no, no. Oh, okay. I would never do that to you, but he did write. Uh, you know what? I'm going to do it to you. <laughs> Divi- divided We Fall, America's Secession Threat, and How To. Of course, How To. And uh, look, if you click on the Amazon, it says, sorry, we could not find that page. It was a little doggy. What? Uh, if you Google David French Civil War, the Amazon page comes up, but clicking on it won't take you to it. Anyhow. Uh, why did we fall? America's secession threat and how to restore our nation. Okay. There it is. You sure you don't want to read that, Stanley? I bet he cites Hoffer. Hmm. Okay. Anyhow, so yeah, I, I mean, did we do it? I think we did it. Uh, I, I mean, it, there's um, there's a lot more. There's so much to to this that we would not be doing it a, a service if we pretended to like give you a good a good rundown of the whole yeah. thing. So uh, definitely pick it up wherever you can find it. It's still in print. This is not like some sort of thing you have to go to a uh, oh no, it's a, a used book tent sale in New Hampshire to purchase. <laughs> uh, if you know, you know. <laughs> it's um. It's always being printed, and it's great. Now, he has other books as well that I might finally, you know, try to read. Uh, yeah, it's just like he—he's an amazing writer, even if you think like this is kind of nonsense. Because I, I could imagine someone that knows anything about like political science, right. if, if it is a science, unclear at this point, mm-hmm. um, or psychology or history, like nitpicking the bejesus out of this and saying like, no, this is all wrong. But I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, to me. I'm not that guy so yeah looking at the index Hoffer is not mentioned Okay. there's only one H William Dean Howells <laughs> don't know who that is alright well Stanley uh, so you'd recommend the book I would as well uh, really worth reading Yeah. Uh, next time uh, my pick uh, the 90s a book by Chuck Klosterman. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So yeah, we'll be doing a little. Is it just going to be you crying? A little, a little. No, I mean tears of joy, right? Tears of joy. Yeah, holding. What would you be holding in your arms and crying? Uh, oh God, my like my. Uh, your your emo mascara box. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, it's funny because I would be holding. I was gonna say I was gonna be holding my Smiths records, but the Smiths of course, of course broke up in the in like '87. Mm-hmm. So maybe my Morrissey records, uh, like my Morrissey and Cure records. Not uh, not your Limp Biscuit and Corn CDs. Oh god, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, my Ross Perot um, uh, pamphlets. You're, you're so hipster. You you only participated in the '96 campaign. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, anyway, I'm looking forward to it. It looks, uh, it looks interesting. Yeah, well, we'll see. Do you know that this guy, this author, uh, he was the New York Times, uh, the ethicist columnist. Oh, really? Yeah. So. Oh. We'll see. We'll see. I think we'll we'll have plenty to to like and to dislike about. I I have heard his name for years. Yes. Probably since the '90s, but. Yes. Um, I don't know anything about him or I've never read anything about him either. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's written for everyone. Yep. 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 He's one of these. Yep. 
when I use New Yorker uh, types. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All, All right, right, Stanley. This was fun. As always. Well, not always, but until next, next time. time. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.